Hello and welcome to this week's Ruby Shoes podcast, bringing you the very best of local entertainment across East Anglia each and every week. So lovely to see the sun out today. Got big blue skies out of my window this morning. Now, this week I've had a chat with singer-songwriter and one of the hardest working women I know, that's Paloma Faith. Plus, I've been chatting with a man whose father is responsible for most of the best-loved vintage British sitcoms and he's proving you're never too old to cut your first album. And we've a round-up of what's on around the region too. First, let's hear from Paloma, who got upstage probably for the first time in her career by a miniature schnauzer, and how self-adhesive eyelashes have changed her life. Paloma, I'll jump straight in if that's all right with you. Absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Nice and easy question to start with. Describe where you're sitting right now for our audience, Paloma. Tell me what you can see around you and where you are. I'm actually in my bedroom because... I've got so many interviews today that I decided I was going to do it in a very relaxed setting. Um, my kids can't just come and disturb me if I'm locked away in my bedroom. <laughs> very good idea. I've got a little dog who's just picked up a squeaky toy, would you believe? So I'm just going to shut my door so we can't hear her. She does this every time I get near a microphone. Tell me, these are just tongue-in-cheek things, Paloma, but tell me three things you can't live without, perhaps when you go out on tour, three things you like to have with you. Uh, My children, I think I feel a bit weird if uh, I left them. (laughs) Um, So both my kids and um, what else? What can't I live without? A really snuggly tracksuit because oh, yes. when I get off stage, I like to just go completely down to the kind of nitty gritty of comfort. And these, oh my God, self-adhesive eyelashes have changed my life. Oh, okay. They already, already got the glue on. You just shove them on your face and you just go and it's like I do on tour I do my own makeup so it's uh, it's reduced my makeup time by about eight minutes (laughs) eight minutes is a long time in your industry I get that tell me something that your fans might know not know about you your friends and family will know this but it might be something you like to do to relax it might be a hobby you have just something about Paloma that we might not know um, I think I'm pretty good at oversharing. Um, something that you might not know. Okay, I'm quite quiet in my private life. Like in my personal time, I'm just I quite like sit quietly. I'm not like chatting and entertaining all the time. That I say that for work. Now, your parents, I believe, were raised in Norfolk. Do you have memories of Norfolk? Is it a county that you know very well? Is well, my mum's actually from Norfolk, like she's born and raised and bred in Norfolk, and my dad's Spanish but lived in Norfolk. So, my mum's a proper Norfolk girl. Um, so yeah, I not only do I have memories of Norfolk, but also my mum's accent is Norfolk, (laughs) and um. Yeah, sort of some of the jokes she makes are very Norfolk. (laughs) Do you have a favourite part of Norfolk? Do you get a chance to go there for holidays or anything like that? I don't really go now because, like, my grandparents have died. 
Mm. So we don't really go so much anymore. My mum and her sister go quite often to visit their parents' grave. Um, so I haven't been for a while. I like the sea. Yeah, so you like to be by the coast. Yeah. Now, this latest album has been self-produced. You once described the industry as cheap, cheerful and quick. Now you've been able to add record producer to your bow of many talents. You, It must have been tremendously hard work caring for two children and also doing this, but also really freeing, I would think, from an artistic point of view. Yeah, but I did, I have actually, uh, it's exec producer, so I'm not producer, I'm not sitting at the computer pressing everything. Exec producer's more like I sit with the producer and I say, this needs changing, this needs doing, can we have this sound and the mixer? And I sort of oversee the project and like also bring in the people that I want to work with and stuff. And I brought in Liam Bailey, who did loads of stuff for me, introducing me with to people and stuff and um mixing tweaks and being boss generally bossy uh <laughs> i think the process of making it was really really cathartic and kind of cleansing and therapeutic but the process of promoting it is proving the opposite because it's very difficult always going back and talking about all that sadness yes yeah You've spoken really candidly about your separation and, and how it's helped hundreds of other women who feel trapped by an obligation to choose between sort of happiness and their children. I'm just wondering, Paloma, who's helping you to cope with it all? My therapist. Because as you say, not only putting all of that out is music, but actually then having to relive it all in, in the series of interviews and then having to sing it out on stage. You're having to go through this over and over again I'm hoping that's going to be a positive experience for you. Yeah, me too. Let's see. <laughs> and and finally, uh, you're back to the Ipswich region in May. We're very excited to see you. For those lucky enough to already have a ticket, what can they expect from this, this latest tour? Um, I'm going to... I don't want to do any spoilers... But I'm going to, I think what they should do to prepare for it would be learn all the words of the new album and revise all the words of the of your favourite old songs. That's a great answer, Paloma. Thank you so much for your time today. I know you're really, really tight for time. It's been a pleasure to talk to you and good luck with this tour. You're probably the, one of the hardest working women in show business I think I've ever had to interview. So well done to you. Thank you for being so kind and noticing that I do work quite hard. <laughs> That was Paloma Faith chatting to me for the Ruby Shoes podcast this week. She's at the Ipswich Regent Theatre on the 8th of May and it's already a sellout. However, it's just been announced today she'll be making another appearance, this time for Forest Live at High Lodge in Thetford Forest on June the 27th. And tickets go on sale this Thursday, that's the 15th of February from 9am. And to find out more about Paloma, check out Suffolk Norfolk Life magazine's March issue, which features a three-page spread about her career and recent breakup, which has inspired her latest album, The Glorification of Sadness. Nick Croft is with me now for Ruby Shoes podcast. Absolutely delighted to talk to you, Nick. If you don't mind me um, talking about your age, because I know that's why you've you've got in touch. <laughs> <laughs> You're a very young 70-year-old and you have just 
published some some work and you're celebrating that. So tell us more about it. Inspire us all. Well, it's um, inspired me. Um, I've been a songwriter all of my life, uh, but not as a professional. So I've written songs about my life and um, it's been a long life. So there's quite a few songs. Um, and the, the situation arose that I could make a record with some really good people. And um, I've done that and it's turned out really well with a, a country flavor to it. And um, yes, yeah, it sounds great. When you say you managed to get to work with some good people, tell me more about that. How did that come about? Because, I mean, sometimes it's just that kind of gelling of getting all those people together in the right room at the right place at the right time that literally can create magic, can't it? You got it. Um, well, it's a, it's, a seren it's a story about serendipity because it was hardly deliberate. Um, my brother, who's obviously known for my songwriting for many years, uh, raised some money and said, Nick, I've got some money. Shall we go and make a record? Oh, wow. I thought, well, why not? I've retired. I've got plenty of time. And um, he happened to know, through a business contact, uh, a producer called Cameron Jenkins, who's worked with some excellent people, Lana Del Rey and the Charlatans and... Um, I, I can't go through his whole list because I, I don't know it all. Really well known, um, artist, basically. But he's a well-known producer, and um, and uh, I'd sent him some demos, and he said, "Yes, come down. I'm working at Peter Gabriel's studio in Bath." So um, I came down, not knowing what to expect. Played him some uh, songs. He already heard the songs, the demos. And he'd assembled a motley crew of wonderful musicians. Um, I played them through a couple of times and they were all so good that they just picked it up just like that. And um, it felt like we had a band, but they, they play with um, other people. They tour with other people. And um, so we just made the record. And it, as it turned out so well, uh, we decided to release it. It was just an idea that um, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't deliberate, um, but it did turn out really well. So we thought, well, why not let other people hear, yeah. hear this? And why not indeed? And I love the way you say it's serendipity, because quite often these things are, you know, they're almost sort of meant, aren't they? They just happen to be the right time to, to release this. Yeah. Tell me about the song itself that you decided to release, because as you say, you've, you've been songwriting all your life. So quite <coughs> hard to pick the one song to release. I couldn't do it. Um, I just write the songs and, and it's up to some marketing professional to understand what makes a good single. And um, so it was chosen by committee, really, between the producers and the, the um, well, everybody that was involved with making it. And um, uh, it's a country song. And, and because there was a, a, a sort of revival in, in country music these days. There is. And um, it's, uh, it's got a very country flavour to it. 
and Cameron had got hold of um, a wonderful steel guitar player called um, Melvin Duffy, who was just sensational. And a steel guitar, as you may know, gives gives a song a country flavour. So he um, we went through it, and it turned out really well. And it's got a good vibration to it, nice light and airy, trucks along. And um, so we decided to go with that one. An actual debut album now called Beyond Why, which is, is coming out next month. That's correct, yeah. yeah. I'm very excited about it. I've got, so we're releasing it on vinyl because we, we did the whole record um, using tape and analogue gear, which was the, the, that was the thing in my day, in the early days. And they still had all the equipment down at um, Real World Studios. And Cameron suggested, well, as your music is rooted in the 70s, which is my influence, let's uh, use that analogue equipment. And I, I received the test pressing of the, of the vinyl, uh, listened to it last night and was really pleased. I bet you were. How does that make you feel when it literally arrives and that's, you know, your words, your music, your sound pressed in vinyl for you know eternity basically well it's a lovely feeling yeah it's a it's a good feeling and i've just, i've got a copy of it and uh, all my fans which is my family and the band which is about 50 people <laughs> plus can have a copy if they want it and anybody else who uh, who wants to can can get one on the worldwide music website in march they can, yes. Uh, I'm just having a look here. So it's all going to be available on LP from the 22nd of March. Uh, which yeah, you got it. So um, have you always had a kind of a, a flair for country music? Have you done different sorts of music? Because you're absolutely right. Country music is is huge now. I've always loved country music. I love all sorts of music. But um, okay. I, I, yeah, I just, you know, I, I wonder who sort of influenced you over the years. Yes, well, I'm influenced by everybody. I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. There are huge numbers of people I've listened for many years. When I was formulating my style, I guess, I was influenced by the um, the West Coast Americans, Joni Mitchell and uh, James Taylor, um, Crosby, Stills and Nash. The, it was an, I loved the American sound, although there was a lot going on in... In, in England, I, I love the American sound. Jackson Brown was one of my um, favourites. And um, I've written in different different styles, so because that's the song, each song requires a different treatment. And there's some which work on a, on a country style. I've got two or three on this album but, uh, that are that are country country-ish. Um, but I write uh, songs of love, unrequited love, and <laughs> there's plenty of that. Um, and tell us about this particular single. Tell us um, about what inspired this single that they did choose in the end. Well, this single, it, it was written um, a long time ago, probably in 1980 or something like that. And the, the words were by my writing partner, Tim Nash, who was fortunate enough to have um, a, a wonderful and long-lasting relationship and um, wrote about uh, about that, um, a marriage that worked. And um, 
that's about that, really. It's about a, 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 a love story, but it's a love story for people that have been together for quite a long time. Yeah. A couple more questions for you. I couldn't let you go without asking you about uh, your father, David Croft, and, of course, your mother. Oh, of course. Yeah, Calendar. Yeah. They were a crucial part of the 1960s, 70s and 80s because, of course, your dad was co-writer of some of... Uh, some of the most famous uh, television works, basically. What was that like growing up with those those kind of parents? And, um, you know, tell us a bit about the sort of lifestyle you had and the things that, that um, your parents were involved in. Well, they were very free-thinking. They were in the entertainment business and um, were very exciting people they were they were they were good to be about and they were part of the after the war generation so they were busy um rebuilding all the lost people after the war so my mom and dad had seven children i've got three gorgeous sisters and three brothers and it was fairly chaotic let's put it this way my mother was uh, an agent for uh pops pop people uh, her, one of her clients was a girl called Kathy McGowan, mm-hmm. who ran a show called um, Ready Steady Go. Yes, of course. Um, it, you know, and and so we used to go along to Ready Steady Go, and they would have all the the bands on. Um, and I try and get their autographs and sit as a twelve or thirteen year old at the time. Um, it was an extraordinary upbringing. I was very privileged. It was it was great fun, and of course, we used to go into the BBC to to see the shows that my father was making, and um, which was Dad's Army. Are you being Dad's Army? Are you being served? Um, uh, yeah, Hello, Hello was was one of my favourites, and um, oh, huge. He didn't just have one huge hit; he had all of them. Yeah, he was. He was a very talented man, and he worked really hard. He must so, have, been. yeah. That worked, but I didn't have anything to compare it with, so that was my life. So I just felt that was normal. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my parents never encouraged me to go into music. They said it's um, it's a difficult business, and you never know when you're going to be working. So they uh, they suggested that I move into finance, which I did to start with, and. Uh, I've done all sorts of things, but um, never come to market as a as a musician. I've run recording studios before mm-hmm. um, because I've loved music um, with my brother, and that was fun. Um, but things changed, so now I've, I've got a bit of time on my hands, hoping to um, get this going and hopefully go down later on in the year and start on another album. I think that's brilliant. Any um, plans to do touring as well to promote the album? Well, that'll be up to who I can get hold of. I can I can sit and play the songs by myself, so but that's not much fun. Um, and we have to look at the schedule. Uh, Charlie Jones plays with Goldfrapp and other people. And, yeah, they're, they're all busy people, so we'll see. It's just getting everybody's diaries together, but I, I it's getting everybody's diaries together. You get you're dead right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, it's been fascinating to talk to you. Thank you so much, Nick. Really have appreciated you well, talking. My to pleasure. Thank you for the Ruby Shoes podcast, and keep in touch.
you know, if you do decide to go out on tour, we want to hear from you. And when you release your next album, I want to hear that as well. Oh, it would be great. I would be um, ha- very happy to go and play the Apex or somewhere like that, somewhere in Suffolk. As for going too far afield, you know, I have to consult my doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and also, it's quite nice to have those creature comforts around you, isn't it? It is, yes. Yeah, definitely. Good for you, Nick. I'm so pleased to talk to you. Thanks for your time. Well, do enjoy the enjoy the song. It's called "Love Is Too Small a Word," um, which it is, of course, a very small word, and a very big thing. So huge. We couldn't do without it, could we, Nick? No. Take care. Have a great afternoon, won't you? God bless you, Stephanie. I will do. Now that is a catchy little number there. That's called Love is Too Small a Word and it's Nick Croft and his music is available on SoundCloud and his album will be available next month in March. What's on across Suffolk with Stephanie McIntyre sponsored by Ruby Shoes Podcast your weekly entertainment news podcast available from your smart speaker Apple, Spotify or you just follow Ruby Shoes Podcast on Facebook and click on the weekly podcast link to listen There's a host of great shows on offer across Suffolk's magnificent theatres Here's just a selection to tempt you On Friday the 16th of February, Ipswich Corn Exchange has a night with Gareth Marenghi, the renowned horror author famous for his spine-chilling works, as part of an 18-date brand-new tour of the UK in February and March. Due to incredible ticket demand from fans and in support of his latest novel, Incarcerat, the highly anticipated novel is a sequel to his previous Sunday Times bestseller, Gareth Marenghi's Terratome, which continues on the adventures of horror author Nick Steen as he battles his own imagination and navigates a terrifying world. For details and to book, it's ipswichtheatres.co.uk. Janie Godley is an award-winning comedian who is very honest in her daily battles with her cancer diagnosis and she's coming to the Ipswich Regent Theatre the following night. That's Saturday the 17th of February. Her show is an emotive and hilarious one entitled Not Dead Yet. It follows her recent sellout tour of Scotland. There'll be voiceovers and anecdotes straight for the woman who, in her own words, wouldn't die or shut up. Join Janie as she's back and doing what she does best. For tickets, jump on to ipswichtheatres.co.uk. Staying with Ipswich Regent, the following night sees them debut their first adult panto. There's a brand new adventure which will take you and your friends down the rabbit hole to Wonderland, but not one you've ever encountered before. Get ready to meet an abundance of wacky and wonderful characters in a rather naughty tale full of camp and filthy fun. Featuring beautiful scenery, sparkling costumes and all the usual jokes, comedy and camp songs. That's on Sunday the 18th of February from 7.30pm. If you're up for a spot of adult fun, then book your tickets via ipswichtheatres.co.uk. Barry St Edmunds is hosting a whole month of funny as the Berry Comedy Festival carries on throughout February. So lots of laugh out loud comedy for you to enjoy. Why not pop along to see Brian and Henry on Thursday the 22nd of February from 7.30pm at the Apex. Brian Bilston has been described as the Banksy of poetry and Twitter's unofficial poet laureate. With over 400,000 followers on social media, Brian has become truly beloved by the online community. 
days like these, an alternative guide to the year in 366 poems is his latest book, a brilliant collection of poems that will take the blues out of Monday, flatten the Wednesday hump and amplify that Friday feeling from January right through to December. Henry Normal is a writer, poet, TV and film producer and was honoured with a special BAFTA for services to television. He's co-written several TV programmes including the multi-award winning Mrs Merton show and the first series of The Royal Family. Publishers released his book of memoirs, A Normal Family. It immediately became bestseller on Amazon and has already been reprinted. For full details of all the acts go to berriesandedmondsandbeyond.co.uk or just put Berries and Edmonds Comedy Festival 2024 into your search engine. The Felixstowe Spa Pavilion Theatre on Saturday the 17th of February will be jive-talking with a Bee Gees tribute at 7.30pm. Renowned as the original and the very best Bee Gees tribute show and the only Bee Gees tribute show that has actually performed with the original Bee Gees. Yes, in 1997, Gary and Darren from Jive Talking performed live on Heart FM with the Bee Gees and received great compliments from both Morris and Barry Gibb. As with the original Bee Gees, Jive Talking is very much a family affair, with brothers Gary and Darren Simmons taking the roles of Barry and Morris Gibb, and Darren's son Jack joining the group in 2014 and taking on the role of Robin Gibb. The guys are supported musically by a four-piece band with lead guitar, violin, cello and drums to ensure that every note in every song is just right. Whatever the group play, they receive superb plaudits. The sound-like quality is quite sensational with amazing similarity to the real Bee Gees. So for a truly amazing experience and an opportunity to hear all the great Bee Gees hits, including Tragedy, Night Fever, Massachusetts, Staying Alive, of course, and Jive Talking, and many more in a two-hour explosion of music and vocal harmony, go to fxspar.co.uk. The New Wolsey Theatre in Ipswich offers a very interesting The Bar at the Edge of Time. Described as where gig meets sensory spectacle, it's specially made for audiences with profound and multiple learning disabilities. Presented by Frozen Light, it's a multi-sensory spectacular. The Bar at the Edge of Time waits only for you, they say, so what are you waiting for? A mystery lies at the heart of this place, a mystery hidden even from them, one that can only be solved when we spend our time together. It's on from Thursday the 15th through to Saturday the 17th of February, with performances at 11am and also at 1pm. Book your tickets, go to woolseytheatre.co.uk. And finally, the Key Theatre in Sudbury. Head over there on Friday the 16th of February for an evening with Reg Muros. Award-winning Reg was introduced onto the stage of the Albert Hall by Mike Harding as one of the country's finest and is a true modern troubadour, representing contemporary English folk writing at its best, captivating audiences with his beautiful tenor voice, and with an unparalleled breadth and depth of material, Reg has toured extensively for decades. Accompanying himself on his 44 Martin six-string guitar, harmonica, 
tenor guitar, banjo and dulcimer. Reg introduces stories that need to be told, struggles that need to be known, injustice that needs to be uncovered and social conscience that needs to be celebrated. With 14 critically acclaimed albums, Reg continues to prove how highly relevant his songs still are. For more details, go to keysudbury.com. Rachel Savage, Artistic Director of Vamos Theatre Company. Wonderful. Rachel, lovely um, that you're joining us today on the Ruby Shoes podcast. We're going to be talking about Boy on the Roof, a really, really interesting idea for a play, isn't it? Tell us more. Um, This is a story about an unlikely friendship. It's between a teenage boy with undiagnosed ADHD and a widow made more lonely by being isolated due to his hearing loss and their neighbours. So the whole um, whole premise is set on a street where we meet lots of different neighbours from this one terrace street and we're looking at how closely we live by to each other, not really knowing what's happening on the other side of the wall. And so that that was the first idea from from how we became so much more important to our neighbours during the pandemic. And one woman um, in the very first uh, community conversation that I had actually told me about how her boy, her little boy, who was later diagnosed as autistic, meant that she had a very lonely life where she was never invited back to birthday parties. He was never invited around to friends' houses, or if he did, it was only the once. Um, And then one evening, she got a knock on the door from a neighbour to say, your boy is on the roof. And that immediately made me think, boy on the roof, boy on the roof. Why was the boy on the roof? And actually doing so much more research, as I say that I do over two years, I found out that a lot of people with ADHD find, without encouraging dangerous climbing, find being on the roof to be their quiet space, their safe space, their space where they can get away from the noise, the aggro, the negativity that often fires at them. And and I've actually found out through research that it's 20, before the age of 12, people with ADHD are more likely to have 20,000 negative comments <gasps> than their peers. That's terrible. Mm. And and also within that research, so I I researched a lot of people about ADHD and I went on courses and read books and documentaries. And I was also supported the whole way through by what we call a Vamos Amigo. And the Vamos Amigos are people that love our shows and want to help in any way. And one of our Vamos Amigos, Phil Coates, said he would really like to help um, interpret the story of how it feels being deaf and having hearing loss. And he said something which was really interesting. He said, the general view of deafness is that it's a physical disability, but he says it would be more accurate to describe it as a social disability, not being able to connect. And he went on to say something very poignant, which is quiet, never hurt anyone, isolation does. Mm. And so for me, it was looking at the isolated world of this Um, Albert and the isolated world of this kind of misunderstood teenage boy and what happens when those two collide. 
And I, I just think that's fascinating and such a clever idea. And I can see how it's come about. And clearly, you've, you've really done your research on this. Tell me about the performance itself. What can the audience expect? So this is uh, this is a bizarre thing to describe on on either radio or podcasts where it's just audio because Full Mask Theatre is a hundred percent visual, and so the actors do not speak; they wear full masks. And so anybody that hasn't seen Full Mask before will be thinking, "Oh, I won't be able to understand." But actually, you understand every single second on stage because the actor has a script, an internal script, that they are speaking in their mind. And it's the actor's job through gesture, pace, angles of the mask, uh, reaction, action, the tiniest, tiniest, minute detail of physicality for that script to arrive into the mind of the audience, which it does every single time night on night and i think what's really exciting is we've got two of the world's most experienced mask actors in this show alan riley and james greaves and uh an amazing physical theater performer gavin maxwell who i met a few years ago and immediate felt something kind of interesting about his his positivity his energy his focus his drive and only later learned that gav was diagnosed during the pandemic in his mid-30s as having ADHD. And so Gav plays the teenage boy with ADHD. And so so much of the experience comes from his experience. Um, And so it's just a very, very exciting uh, group of artists to be working with. Not only that, the whole production team in this show, there is so much video work, sound work, composition of of music. Um, and it's kind of, even the lighting design is so beautiful. And for the first time ever, really, it feels like it's a real uh, a combination, a real marriage of ambitious storytelling and production. And why, why Mask Theatre? Why did you use that? Um, form to tell this story you know what was the the thought behind that is it is it a very ancient form of theatre so I've worked in full mask theatre for over 35 years and I work in this form of this genre because it makes people think and it makes people feel so people think oh it must be so different to scripted acting and it's not actually to be a really brilliant full mask theatre performer you need to be a a fantastic naturalistic actor and then you're 75% there so if a if a full mask actor is feeling terribly upset they could be having tears pouring down their face behind the mask and everything is told through physicality and then the other 25% is mask technique but what happens is because the actors don't speak and because the audience is interpreting every single moment they have to join the actors halfway and that pulls them in to interpret intellectually and then you've got a really interesting journey quickly down to their heart which means you make people think you can make people feel and when you can make people feel you can make them empathize and understand themes ideas people that they would never 
have imagined to be able to understand. So say, for example, I've made a show called Finding Joy, which is about living well with dementia, which has toured all over the world. So interna internationally, we have got a language that travels from China to Scandinavia to Europe, to all those uh, countries that we've toured to. And this and with finding joy we had people write to me afterwards saying this has completely changed the way in which I look after my mother when we had a show about post-traumatic stress and suicide in the military we had social workers writing to me saying this has changed the way in which I now care for my clients and I think for me the the role the role of uh Deafness and being hard of hearing is a really interesting role where, you know, sometimes I look at my family members with their hearing aids, which I'm really not enjoying wearing. And, and actually, when you look at them, you can see how left out of conversations they are. Exactly. I think also the the role of the, the teenager with ADHD, goodness me, it feels like this topic has exploded since the pandemic um and so i think they are really 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 important subjects to to dissect and to explore and to try and understand more deeply fascinating to talk to you rachel i'm so pleased that we've had this conversation i can't wait to see a boy on the roof and thank you for talking to us today on the ruby shoes podcast all about it can I just let you know really importantly that this is a co-production with New Woolsey in Ipswich and a co-commission with the London International Mind Festival and we are thrilled to be partnering with them. And you can see Boy on the Roof at the New Woolsey Theatre tomorrow. That's Tuesday the 13th through to Wednesday the 14th of February at the New Woolsey Theatre. Just go to their website www.woolseytheatre.co.uk or you can call the box office on 01473 295 900. Now, if you'd like us to review your show or you'd like to come and tell us more about a show you're putting on or you're perhaps an artist with a story to tell, do get in touch with us, Ruby Shoes Podcast, and let, in, let us know what your show is about and when it's on. And we could well be chatting to you in a future episode. You can always get in touch and listen again to us on any of the Ruby Shoes podcasts via Apple, Spotify or your smart speaker, or simply just click on the weekly podcast links on our Facebook page. I'm Steph McIntyre. Thanks for listening. And we'll chat more about live theatre and entertainment in next week's episode. In the meantime, check out those socials at Ruby Shoes Podcast and don't forget to get in touch. Have a great week. 